situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my winner. A lot I'm going to throw in today as I try to flap my yap mouth for the 700th PBS. When it comes to Major League Baseball, there's some jobs that may be deemed desirable. But if you look at the past history, they may not be uh, necessarily getting the best talent. And I think you could add the Boston Red Sox general manager position to the group of those desirable jobs on paper, it looks great. You get to run one of the most successful franchises in the history of sports. And I know nine World Series championships is nowhere near 27, so don't let me trigger the average Yankee fan. But to run the Boston Red Sox would be considered a desirable thing. There's many executives throughout the sport of baseball, either with a lot of experience or up-and-comers, that I think would chomp at the bit to get that job. You know what's holding them back? Well, turnover. And you're looking at two past general managers in Ben Sherrington, who won a World Series championship with the Red Sox in 2013, and David Dombrowski, who won a World Series championship with the Red Sox in 2018, were both relieved of their duties within short order, and way too short order, after winning said World Series. Hyam Bloom comes over for the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. Yeah, you look at the results. It hasn't been what could be expected for a Boston Red Sox team that has won four World Series championships in the 22nd century. But I'm looking at this position from afar. And if I was a big-time baseball executive and my interest was to better myself, put myself in a better position, get myself in a spot where I'm willing to take the next big jump in my career. I may not want to do it in a spot like Boston that only may have me have be around for a year or two. And what if I bring them exactly what it is they're looking for, a World Series championship? You now have a track record, owner John Henry, uh, you know, Everybody that's involved in that organization, Sam Kennedy, you have that on your record that you fired general managers that won you World Series championships. And remember, we're talking about Boston here. We're talking about an organization, a team that went 86 years between World Series championships. And I speak. I spoke about the Mets, and you know they may be turning the corner in regards to saying, "Hey, this is what we're going to stick with for the next series of years." When it comes to David Stearns running the New York Mets franchise, perhaps who he hires as the next manager will be the manager that sticks with the organization for a while. But you're looking at the same thing there. So much turnover in just three years of Steve Cohen being the owner of the New York Mets. And I think that's an issue. I think that is keeping well-qualified candidates and people that could be a boom, people that could be a absolute asset to the organization and potentially lead them to what it is that they're looking to do. And that's when the whole freaking thing. 
It's making them think twice. Now, when it comes to the postseason, you're looking at Diamondbacks, Phillies, Rangers, Astros. I love the Rangers-Astros matchup. I love the thought of Bruce Bochy being back in the ALCS in his first year back as a manager as he tries to win a World Series championship as a manager for the fourth time. I love the thought that Max Scherzer could be pitching in the series. I love the fact that the Houston Astros have made it to seven straight American League championship series. I like the Astros because the narrative is to boo the Astros, to not want to see the Astros succeed, to think that they did something that was so much different than the majority of other teams in that time that were doing everything they can to get an advantage in an individual game, all because one bitter former player that happens to be pitching for one of your division rivals decides to rat you out for what it is that you were doing. There was no players on any other team that could have been doing anything similar to what the Astros were doing that had a bitter former player. So I digress from that. I want to see the Astros and Rays. I think it'll be a great series. Uh, The Rangers, I think it's going to be a great series. I look at the Phillies and the Diamondbacks and I think if the Diamondbacks are going to have a chance to win, they they got to grab game one. And we're in a spot where I think you're looking at two similar teams that have had similar fortunes in a postseason. They both went into the wild card round and won the first two games, got into the NLCS, and the Diamondbacks won three straight games against the Dodgers, and the Phillies won three of four against the Atlanta Braves. Both teams are very hot right now. So what is the advantage? What would you say separates the Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks? And I think it's talent. And I don't think it's momentum. Momentum, if you're looking at teams that have built, let's say, five in a row or five out of six to this point, you're looking at two teams that have done the same thing. So that doesn't stand out from either team. So I think it is talent that's going to lead the Phillies over the Arizona Diamondbacks unless the Diamondbacks can go back there and take game one in Philadelphia. And then all of a sudden, maybe you take two out of three in Arizona in games three, four, and five. And all of a sudden that happens and you make this into a series, I'm a believer. I think the Diamondbacks had every right to be in the postseason this year. I really believed that they could have beaten Milwaukee, and they did that. They certainly did what they needed to do against a Dodger team that won well over 100 games. So what am I looking at? Like I said, when everything's equal, I kind of lean towards the talent. And the Phillies, you look at that offense, you look at their pitching, they have the advantage on paper in every aspect over the Diamondbacks. That being said, you look at the postseason, you look at what's happened, the team on paper that's predicted or projected to win doesn't always win. So it wouldn't shock me if the Diamondbacks won. I just don't think it's going to happen. And you know what? Give me a seven-game series, Astros, Rangers, and I'd love to see the Astros back in the World Series with a chance to be the World Series champion in back-to-back years for a team doing that for the first time since the 99-2000 New York Yankees. So I want to throw a potential format change when it comes to the postseason. And I don't think it'll take very much. I'm okay right now with the three-game series of the wild card round. One of the biggest complaints and it's kind of more media-driven than anything because I've heard Brian Snicker, I've heard Spencer Strider um, I really, I, you know, Dave Roberts kind of said that he didn't like it. 
he didn't really use it as an excuse. But I haven't seen anybody really take the amount of games or amount of days between the end of the regular season and the start of the league division series and use it as a flat-up excuse for their team not succeeding. The media is. The media is taking this and running with it. They think it's the major reason. But you want to, I don't know, alleviate that a little bit? I got an idea. You, know, you want to talk about the two teams with the first round bye and make it an incentive for that team to get that bye. You limit the amount of games or days in between from Sunday to Thursday, which I would suggest be the start of the league division series. In other words, you're going to have to do something to square away tiebreakers before Sunday. Don't have anything on Monday because Monday is starting the wild card round. And if you didn't make it for that first round bye and you got to play in a wild card round, you play a game Sunday, you play a game Monday and Tuesday. And if you don't win both of those games, you play a game Wednesday. And guess what? Thursday is the start of the league division series. I think that's something that is very feasible. And I think that is a way to reward the team, the two teams with the best record in a league that get that first round by and force the team that was that ha- that ends up in that spot where they're playing in a wild card round. You know, maybe maybe a little bit of a disadvantage. What do you think? So when it comes to football, you, you're hearing the same shit that you hear every year. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick all of a sudden does doesn't know how to coach. Maybe it's time for him to go. Matt Canada, Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Huh? He's doing such a terrible job. Now, why is there not enough blame being thrown towards Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett and George Pickens and uh, you know Najee Harris? I get it that Bill Belichick's the general manager. You know he put together this team. At some point, you know after. 20 straight years of dominance, six Super Bowls. Obviously, you had one constant, which was the quarterback in Tom Brady. Bill Belichick can admit a mistake. I think he's got and earned the right to move on from Mac Jones as a starting quarterback if he wants to. Now, you look at the Steelers, Mike Tomlin. Nobody's touching Mike Tomlin now. Part of the reason is because he is the most successful blackhead football coach in the history of the sport. So it would be a bad look in light of what happened with Brian Flores, in light of what happened with Steve Wilkes, in light of what's happened with some other African-American head coaches in the National Football League, if Mike Tomlin, after all the success he's had, getting that Steelers team to almost make it to the postseason last year, if he were to be fired. So people are afraid of that. They're afraid to go after Tomlin. That being said, if Tomlin was white, they'd be doing the same thing they're doing to Bill Belichick. In fact, they are doing the same thing. They're just taking it out on the offensive coordinator in Matt Canada. The problem I have with this is that there's not not enough accountability being held towards the players. Players aren't getting the job done. The reason that the Steelers aren't competing for a Super Bowl championship might have a little to do with roster construction. Might have a little bit to do with Kenny Pickett not being ready to be Terry Bradshaw, per se, at the moment. And I don't think Terry Bradshaw was that dominant of a quarterback, but he was the right quarterback for the right system. That system isn't in place with Kenny Pickett. This 
team might get better. They may see the the big time with Kenny Pickett as their starting quarterback. It's just not happening right now. They need somebody to blame. They don't want to blame Kenny Pickett yet. They don't want to turn him into the villain. They don't want to treat him like a piece of garbage. So they're taking it out on somebody that probably won't be around within the next couple of years. Is he getting fired this year? Is he getting fired next year? At some point, it's going to be a lifeline for the head coach, for the general manager, for the owner to be able to move on from the offensive coordinator. The problem isn't scheme. The problem is production. You could have the greatest plays, as Art Williams used to say, you know, the, the founder of term life insurance, as a football coach, which he was on the side, said you could draw up the greatest plays. You could have these things so set up to where there's no way you could stop them. The only person that could screw it up is you. And you could call the greatest plays in the world if you don't have players to execute the right blocks, get themselves in the right position to make the play in the way it was intended, then you got no play. So you could call the right plays, but if you don't have the right players to do it, that's not going to work out. So I have to, before I jump into saving sports history, which is a ton I really want to discuss today, I have to spend a couple seconds on Kai Jones. Kai Jones is the first round draft pick uh, in 2021 for the Charlotte Hornets, was drafted by the Knicks, was traded to the Hornets in exchange for a conditional first round draft pick. Kai Jones in his two years in the NBA is not getting enough PT. It bothers him. He's got the right to be upset. He's got the right to want to play more. But he's going after big stars like Shaquille O'Neal and LeBron James saying that he could play as well as they have. Well, in two seasons, whether you think it's your fault or not, he hasn't. And that's like me saying I'm not at the position where Colin Cowherd is or Mike Francesa is. And I want to use that as an excuse to say that I'm better. Well, I may be, but I haven't gotten that opportunity to prove that yet. If you're Kai Jones you got to just settle into a position and let your action as a player dictate what you're going to be remembered as. Nobody cares if you think you're good. They only care if you're good and you go out there and prove it. Kai Jones has got to do it. Might not be his opportunity right now as the Hornets waved him and obviously showed how much they think of him. You know, you're going to run your mouth, hey, you know what, we could do without you. We did without you last year. You played in 46 games. You, you didn't get much PT. You know, and, and the Hornets, who finished with you know the worst record in the NBA last year, did it, or one of the worst records in the NBA last year, did it without you. They don't need you to do anything that they're trying to do in the future. If they did, you probably would have gotten more reps. You probably would have gotten some starts. You probably would have gotten more minutes to prove what it is that you could do. Doesn't mean it's over. Talk about somebody that's 22 years old, still a ton of future left in him. But it's a bad look. Kind of going back to my Drake, my my Jake Crowder take when he was talking about, hey, I, I gotta be traded because I'm not in the starting lineup, only to get traded a half a season later and come off the bench for the Milwaukee Bucks. Who TF is Jay Crowder? Who TF is Kai Jones? Now, as we jump into today's saving. Sports history segment. There's a lot of stuff I want to get into, and I want to thank everybody as always for tuning into the Passball Show. 
Today, being the 14th day of October 2023, as we jump into the DeLorean, crank it up to 88 miles an hour, and go back to the year of 1862, there was a baseball player by the name of James Creighton. He injured his bladder doing what? Hitting a home run. Now, this is back when it was called baseball. Two words. There were matches set up. There was very little organized play at the moment. Stats weren't really kept. So this guy goes out there, hits a home run. He hurts his bladder. Sadly, he dies just four years later of the injured bladder. Happened in 1862 on October 14th. Jump into 1905. The World Series between the Giants and the Athletics. New York Giants, Philadelphia Athletics. What stands out about this is the Giants, after refusing to play the World Series in 1904, decide they're going to play in 1905. They end up beating the Athletics four games to two. The next year, they changed their uniform and actually said World Champs on it. You know, in an honor of acknowledging the World Series. 365 days later, in 1906, the Chicago White Sox beat the Chicago Cubs four games to two to win the World Series championship. Exactly two years later, in 1908, the Chicago Cubs beat the Detroit Tigers to win the World Series. That same day, the baseball writers that were a little upset over where they were sitting in the World Series, they end up organizing, get themselves together, form what is now known as as the Baseball Association, Baseball Writers Association of America, the BBWAA, started on this day in 1908. 1926, the big train, Walter Johnson, retires, gets a job as uh, the Newark, I think it was the Newark Eagles at the time. If I'm wrong, I apologize. He was hired as the manager of that team, retires on this day in 1926. 1949, one of the more underrated heavyweight champions in the history of boxing. Doesn't get spoken about a lot. I know he didn't hold the title for very long, but Ezra Charles beat Pat Valentino to win the heavyweight title on this day in 1949-1962. An underrated quarterback, George Blanda. You've heard me talk about him, how he dominated the AFL after being cast aside by the great George Hallis. George Hallis didn't think much of George Blanda's ability to be a quarterback. He showed it on this day. In 1962, throwing six touchdown passes in a 56-17 win over the, at that time, New York Titans. 1965, the Los Angeles Dodgers win their third World Series since moving to L.A. Four games to three over the Minnesota Twins who are in the World Series for the first time. On this day in 1976, Chris Chambliss. Hits a home run into the right center field bleachers at Yankee Stadium off of Mark Littell to lead the New York Yankees to the World Series where they were losing four games to the Cincinnati Reds. 1978, Reggie Jackson moved his backside into a baseball, interfered with it. It was in game four of a Yankee win. They would beat the Dodgers 4-3. to three. En route to a World Series championship in 1978, their second in a row. 1979, the New York Rangers retired Rod Gilbert's number seven. The same exact day, Wayne Gretzky, the great one, the most dominant player in any sport in baseball history, in any in any history, 
Baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Of course, he was a hockey player. Scores his first NHL goal. 1984, the Detroit Tigers wrap up their first World Series championships since 1968, winning four games to one over the San Diego Padres. 1985, the New York Jets retire Joe Namath's number 12. One year later, the International Olympic Committee decides to stagger the summer and winter games so there's Olympics every two years. I don't like it. I, I thought there was a lot of mystique. I thought there was a lot of draw to the Olympics when they were every four years. It kind of gave you something to build up and wait towards. Now it seems like there's Olympics all the time, and I think it really took away from the value of the Olympics. So 1990, Joe Montana did what George Blanda did 28 years before, threw six touchdowns in a game to lead the 49ers to a victory. And 20, I'm sorry, I think it was the Kansas City Chiefs. I'd have to look back on it just to be sure. Um, in 2003, Steve Bartman gets his moment of infamy and obviously something that he didn't want. He kind of moved himself in a way of, of a foul ball. But two things about that particular game. Number one, if it's not for Alex Gonzalez's error, the Cubs don't blow that game and end up losing to the Florida Marlins, who end up winning a World Series that year. And number two, if it isn't for Moises Alou, his ridiculous reaction, really making a big stink about it. Steve Bartman probably isn't known for this particular play. And it's a shame that it happened to somebody that is a real good baseball fan. I can relate to it. You know, if I'm following a game and I'm as diehard of a fan as Steve Bartman is, I don't I don't want my name to be known. All I want to do is root for my team. Moises Alou does not take enough blame for what happened in that particular game. If we're going to drop a couple births today, the great Oscar Charleston, who I ranked as the number 19th all-time offensive position player in baseball history, was born on this day in 1896, the greatest Head basketball coach in the history of college basketball. John Wooden was born on this day in 1910. Hall of Fame wide receiver, and you see him over in the picture there with my Air Coriel offense. Charlie Joyner was born on this day in 1947. And I'm going to throw this out there too, which will probably piss off some people that hate the use of performance-enhancing drugs in sport. 2006 Tour de France winner, Floyd Landis was born on this day in 1975. This is the Passball Show, brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you want to hear me flap my yap mouth, any of my episodes are available on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, of course, videos on YouTube. We'll be back with you hopefully soon. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect horrors and hoarders. 
are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Knack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. side of the spectrum they're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. <laughs>